Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. The title of the message actually is, Why Does Fear Sabotage Our Success? That's what we want to know. And we're going to give you three reasons why. Now, last week, we did something that was very interesting. Uh, We gave you something that you'll need this week. And basically, I said that uh, when God gives you a command, he always gives you some pillars. We call them pillars. We went over uh, four pillars, but actually are five in in, uh, verse 10 of Isaiah 41. And those pillars... I want you to remember, and I think you have them down from last week. We said that God is with you, and so he told Israel not to fear, not to uh, anxiously look about them in fear. He says that I'm with you. He also says I'm your God. He also says that I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Those are the things he said. Now, what we want to do is, is look at those things and kind of go from there, because I believe that God wants us to overcome our fears. And if you don't have any fears, then, of course, you can help somebody else because uh, most people have some type of fear of something. Sometimes we don't even know we have a fear. Some people fear failure. Some people actually, uh, they fear that their name is going to be damaged. Like when I was coaching... There's something that, that I used to didn't, uh, I couldn't handle very well, is losing. And so uh, you, you try to do everything you can possibly to win. You get mad. You, you get everything else if you happen to lose something because it's your name. You see? Uh, and, and so you can fear a lot of different things. And I didn't realize it at t- that time, that that's not what God's uh, plan is for us. So I want you to really pay attention to this because by the time we end up next week, you're going to be really excited about overcoming fear. Now, let's think about this one thing. How does fear come? Now, with me, it normally comes with my imagination. I'm I'm thinking about something. Uh, uh, It might be a situation that actually is happening. But regardless of what it is, God wants me to take that and put it into proper perspective. I remember when I was coming back from Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, we, were, we went to Manor Church to hear Mahesh talk. On, he, he was actually doing a healing conference. And what happened was that it started snowing. And I said, well, we can make it back. We got to Sanford, and I asked the person that was coming from the other way, I said, hey, is it, is it bad in Greensboro? And they said, no, no, you, you know, you're going to be okay. Got to Greensboro, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> then I said, well, if I keep going, I'm, it's going to get better. And so when I got to Danville, it was really, really, really bad. And when I got off of um, the, the highway and got on to, to 29 uh, there in Danville, what happened was that everything left me. Everybody turned off. And I was the only one on the road. No tracks in front of me. None. And so I, I, I kept going slow because now it's, it's a probably about 3 or 4 in the morning. And I started out about 9 at night. 
the previous night because he couldn't go about 25, 30, 35 miles now. And so uh, what happened was that I got to a point and I just stopped because I couldn't see the road. I mean, I couldn't see anything, nothing. It was so high. And I said, well, if I keep going, the thought comes to me that you're going to go off the side and you're going to wreck the car and kill everybody. And I said, I said, I said oh, God. I stopped and, and I, I was hollering out loud. And Cameron was in the back seat. And she had two of the, the girls in the back seat. Minerva was sleeping. And she said, well, hey, what's wrong? Cameron started crying. And this, this was years ago. <laughs> and, and I said, I said, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I can't go anywhere because I don't know where the road is. And <laughs> I don't know whether you've ever been there or not. But fear attacked me. I mean, fear was there. It wasn't no imagination. <laughs> this was fear. See, it was a real situation. So I said, God, help me. Help me, Lord. I don't know what to do. So I got a crying door in the back. I got, you know, so I prayed, and then I just sat there. Just sat there. I said, I wonder how long I'm going to sit here. You know, because after a while, it'll be light, of course, and, and the snow plows will come by in the morning. But then you're sitting there in the middle of the road. And, and you don't want nothing to come up and hit you. you know? uh, so danger, danger, death. You don't know what's going to happen. So what happened by the time, by the time we sat there for a while, all of a sudden, here come some lights behind us, and zoom, it was an uh, 18-wheeler, you know, there, there was a big, big, long as He just came right beside me, just zoom, went on, went on, and I said, thank you, Father, thank you, God. And so I took off right behind him and stayed in his tracks, and that's, that's how I got back. He pulled off at uh, an Alta Vista. Uh, the first exit, Nath Vistas, which is the last exit, coming from Danville. He pulled off there, but it was light by that time. And I, I could see. So I'm, I, we drove all the way through the night, and I did not get sleepy. Normally, I get sleepy from Lynchburg to Alta Vista. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I, I don't care whether it's daytime, nighttime, it doesn't matter. I get, just get sleepy. And, and, but I didn't get sleepy. It's the adrenaline, you know, that, that you, your fear, you know, your life is at stake. So this is a real thing. This is a real thing, this fear thing we're talking about. Now, what would, I, what would God want me to do looking back is to just trust him. Just trust him. Don't, don't, don't start hollering and acting foolish, you know, and keep, keep everybody crying and waking up. Stuff. Just know that he's going to take care of you. But see, I was not there. And in some cases, I'm not there now. So this message is for me, really, if it's not for you. It's really for me. Let's start off. With the three things, I'm going to give you three things that reasons why God doesn't want us to fear and why fear causes or sabotages our success. Let's start off with number one. Because fear sabotages our success because one of the songs they were singing, some of the words, God is all that we have need of. God is all that we have need of. Let's look at Psalm 23. Now you're very familiar with that psalm. And I, I'm, I'm sure you know that God wants us to succeed. 
If you don't know that, then you're in trouble because God wants us to succeed. Try sometime reading Jeremiah 29, 11. That'll tell you something about his plans for you, for welfare, not harm. In Psalm 23, everyone knows the psalm pretty much, and you, some of you memorized it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. That sounds familiar from last week. God is my God. I shall not want. It didn't say, I shall not want some things. It says, I shall not want. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside his quiet waters or the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, that's what God's saying. Now, what does this sheep have need of? God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does he have need of? Then let's address the fear issue because God's going to take us through things that can be dangerous, but he doesn't want us to fear. Even though, King James may say, yea, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, come on, fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they cover me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, or love and kindness, which is the same thing, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a favorite psalm of most people because it comforts us. It comforts the sheep. It comforts us to know that we don't have to be concerned about anything, anything, when God is our God. Don't have to be, don't, what, what, what do you need to be concerned about? The sheep are not concerned about anything when they're in the shepherd's care. Then the sheep wander off, the sheep will be in trouble because we know that the, the wolf is out there, things out there to, to uh, take advantage of the sheep. But he's going to stay in the fold. So that's what is important. That's number one. God is a God that has everything that we have need of. Everything. Everything. So if you think of a need, then I don't think you can think of a need that God can't provide. Not a need. I don't care if it's a thousand foot flat screen TV. He can put it together. He can put it together. He can do anything, can't he? He can do anything. I believe that God controls every single thing on this earth and everybody on this earth. I just believe it. Because I read it. So I believe it. And that means that there is no one can harm you. There is nothing that God can't lead you into if that's what he wants for your life. There's not a thing. He can cause things to work out together for good. If you love him, and call according to his purpose. 
Isn't that what the word of God says? So it's nothing or no one can stop you from achieving God's success. Except fear and some other flaming arrows that we were not going to talk about today. But fear is one. It will sabotage you. Why does it sabotage you in that just that number one? Because if God provides everything, which he does, and you say, <clears throat> I don't believe it. I don't trust you to provide for me. I don't have a job, and I've been looking for a job. I put in a thousand applications. Everybody turned me down, and you haven't done anything. So I don't believe that it's going to come to pass. Well, if he says that on his word that, that if you don't work, you don't eat, then you can go to, go to his word, can't you? And say, so, God, you told me that uh, if I don't work, I don't eat. You told me, Lord, that you provide my food, my, my, my clothes and all that, that type of thing. You told me, Lord, uh, that, that it's your desire for everyone to work because they can. Because what happens is that I saw in the scripture where the first, the first person on this earth, who was it? He gave him a job to do. The very first person. What was it to do? Tilt the garden. That's right. That's right. So I know you have for me to work, God. So, God, I'm dependent, on, I'm dependent upon you providing for me. That's what I'm, I am. Guarantee you, it's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. It might not be on our timing, but it's going to come to pass. Whatever your desire is, God, if it's, if it's in God's word, that's his desire. And he will bring it to pass. So that, that excites me to know that I don't have to fear anything. I don't have to fear because my provider says that I shall not want. There's no need to put it in here if he's not going to provide for me. Isn't that true? No need. Let's go to number two. Number two says that God is a God that wants to be honored. He wants to be honored. And we dishonor him when he thinks that or knows that we think he will, he, he's a liar. He's not trustworthy. Yeah. That will hurt our success. Satan knows that. Satan knows that if I could get them to fear, if I can get them to dishonor God, if I can get them to not believe that God is their shepherd, is going to take care of them, if I can get them to believe that God is lying, I got them. Their success is going to be ruined. Is that true? How about, how about um, Eve? What did he do with Eve? We're just talking about the, the first two people because sin hadn't entered the world yet. As far as the people are concerned, 
What did he tell Eve? She, now she, she knew that she was not supposed to eat of the fruit. She knew that. But he says, oh, look at this tree. Oh, beautiful fruit, isn't it? Oh, yes, 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 yes. But God says that I'm not supposed to eat it and don't even touch it. Then he's ah, oh, ha, ha. No, no, no. What God wants is that you not to be wise as God. Oh, now he's trying to mess with her head, see, because you mean to tell me our God is going to hold back from us something that's good? No, no. He's not going to do that. But that's what he made her believe. And so, therefore, she said, well, it is good to for sight. I mean, I can see it. It looks good. So she partook and gave it to Adam, who was with her. God doesn't want to us to think he's a liar. Let's look at it in Matthew 24. Let's go there. 35. I want you to read it for yourself because, my goodness, God, this is, this is an important one. Important one. He says here, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That's what he said. That's what he said. God said. That's what he said. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words won't pass away. And see, what we believe a lot of times is heaven and earth going to always be here, but his words going to pass away. Just the opposite. Because we are walking by sight and not by faith. Let's go to Titus. Let's look there. Chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth which is according to godliness in the hope of eternal life which God read the three words for me promised long ages ago Paul knew that God can't lie he cannot lie period his words is forever settled in heaven, earth, it's going to be upheld. He's a, Jesus is holding up everything by the power of his word. Nothing going to shake God's word. That's why I love the word, because I want to know the word, because the word is the only thing that's truth. Anything else is subject to change, but his word is not. People are subject to change, aren't we? But his word is not. That's what he says about his word. Let's look at Numbers 23 
19. God wants us to know that his word is true. Don't think that God is a liar, that he'll lie. He's not going to lie. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? What more do we want? This is the God we serve. He's not a liar. And he's not pleased if we think he's a liar. And so what we try to do sometimes is, is do, a, do, th do things ourselves. Pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, as they say. God doesn't want that because God wants to be our provider. God wants to be our all in all. God wants us to wait for him. For his provision. God loves you. He loves you. God wants the best for you. He has the best plan for you. He does. He does. He had the best plan for Israel when Israel was in captivity. Babylonian captivity. Let me, uh, well you can turn to it. Let's go to Jeremiah 29, because that's, that's one that just shows you. They were in captivity, and they were going to be in captivity for seven, 70 years. Why were they in captivity? For disobedience. That's why they were in captivity. They wouldn't trust him. And, and so he says now, even though they are, they are in Babylon, in captivity... And the 70 years are not up, but he still tells them in verse 11, For I know the plans, the intent, that means the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of welfare, that's shalom, that's, that's harmony, <laughs> that's security, well-being, and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. That's what God said. To them that's in captivity, that's been disobedient to him. So I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you haven't done. I don't care what you will do. God says that he has plans of success for you. That's what he says. Success. I don't care what somebody says about you. I don't care what you've done in the past. God says that my plans for you are plans of welfare. So if he says that, that means he means that. Is it right? He means that. He means it because if you know he meant it for Israel, he means it for us. Because if we're Abraham's seed, I'm mean, like, if we be Christ's, we're Abraham's seed. Heirs of the promise. So therefore, this stands for us too because we belong to God. So that means that I don't care what I've done or how I missed it. 
I'm still trying. I'm trying, to, I'm trying not to miss him. He says that just get up and start walking forward because my plans for you are success. Boy, that's, that's, that's awesome to be to tell somebody. I don't care who they are, right? They can be a prostitute. It doesn't matter. That's what they used to be until God got a hold of them. But God changes prostitutes, doesn't he? Right? There's one in the genealogy of Jesus, right? What's her name? Rahab. Yeah. I don't care what you've done. You, you can be agreeing uh, to murder somebody. You're standing there and watching somebody. Yeah, kill him, kill him. And they kill him. And you turn your life over to Christ. My plans for you are success. Welfare. Isn't that true? That's the apostle Paul. Right? Wasn't he? When he was Saul. With Stephen. Agreeing to his murder. They stoned him to death. And he was just keeping their, their clothes and stuff. While they were stoning him to death. Oh, I'm telling you, God is a good God. He's a good God. One is that we know that fear sabotages success because God wants to show us that he's our all in all. And when you go off and try to do things yourself or try to depend upon whatever else it is, look to whatever else it is, he's not pleased, and so he'll allow you to do that. And you won't have success. Oh, there's so many scriptures in the Bible tells us that. Kings tried to do that before. It, it, it doesn't work. Even though they think they have success, God sends a prophet and says, why did you do that? Because you did that, this is what I'm going to do. And they thought they had success. In the natural, they did. But not in the spiritual realm. Because success is not biblical success. It's not what Webster says. Wilson says it's the, the achievement of a desired end, a desired goal. So I can have success, and you, you think I have success because my desire was to do this, 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 and I did this, 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 so I, I have success. That's not, that's not biblical success. Biblical success is really doing what God tells you to do, the way God tells you to do it, when God tells you to do it, and then it turns out successful because I don't, care, I, I don't care whether the world says it's success or not. It's successful because you did what God said, when God said it, how God said it. That means that you had success. On that day, you hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what you hear. Because we'll think that Stephen, he didn't have success. He should have kept his mouth closed. But no, he did what God told him to do, and he was, he was killed for it, but he had success. Oh, I'm telling you, God's success is what we're looking for. Let's go to number three. Number three is we have to make sure we Please God. Because Satan doesn't want you to please God. God 
is not pleased when you don't please him because Jesus said, I always do that which pleases the Father. That's what he said. So he wants us to please him. He wants us to please him because he is trying his best to bring us to success. That's what he's trying his best to do, to bring you to his will and his plans for our lives. That's what he's trying to do. And he's not pleased when we do not have faith and obedience. When we don't have faith and obedience, we're going to lose our success. Because where it says in uh, Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is what? Impossible. Impossible to please God. Because he said, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because God wants to reward us. He wants to reward us. Oh, let's look at Numbers 14, 11. We'll there. Just turn back just a little bit. Now here we have an example of Israel, a group of people. Listen what the Lord says, starting in verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people spurn me? How long will they not believe me? Despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst. See, God wants us to have faith and trust and believe him that he's not a liar. What he says he's going to do. That he is the shepherd of the sheep. So if he says, hey, go here, you go here. If he says, I want you to camp right by the Red Sea, then he wants you to do that. If he wants to bring Pharaoh and all his army, then we, we still know that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the natural, we say, well, Pharaoh is mad. And he has all his chariots and army, and Pharaoh's going to kill us. We can't go forward. We can't go back. We are done. <laughs> right? That's not what God says. If God says go to the Red Sea and camp there, God has a plan. He didn't tell them that plan when, he left, when they left Egypt. He didn't tell them plan. Hey, look, I'm going to take you over here, and I'm going to take you this way, and then, then what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you by the sea. Pharaoh's going to come, but I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to open the sea for you to go through. Now, what kind of faith does it take to do that if he tells us everything? And isn't that what we want? We want him to tell us everything, the whole plan, so we can trust him. That's not trust. That's not trust. So God, what he does, in order for him to teach us trust and faith in him, what he does is that, I'm not going to tell you. What I'm going to do is just send you here, send you there. I'm going to act like I'm not going to bail you out. I'm going to act like your dream is not going to come true. But if you trust me, it will. It will. You remember Saul? 
Saul, uh, the king Saul, when Samuel told him, hey, hey, wait till I come. I'm coming the next mountain day. Would you just wait till I come? What did Saul do? Saul said, well, you haven't showed up, and it's that day now. I'm going to offer the sacrifice. Soon as he offered the sacrifice, who showed up? Samuel. See, God takes us to the brink to see exactly what you're going to do. Are you going to trust him or are you not? Because he, he has the means now to get you out of anything or get you into anything. He has the means to do that. And let me, let me end by what he told uh, Saul in, in, in 1 Samuel 15, 17. Let's look there. Now, this is a case where God had told him to go and wipe out all the Malachites. Don't bring back nothing. I want you to offer it up as, a, as an offering to me. Sheep, everything. Don't bring back nothing. 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 No one. Nothing. Now, how difficult is that to understand? Maybe, 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 maybe you should have been there, you know, because if you would have been there, John... If you'd have been there, if you'd talked to him in Spanish, he might have understood. You see? Because he didn't understand. Evidently, he didn't understand what Samuel said. So, Samuel says in verse 17, Is it not true, though you were little in your own eyes, you were made head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you king of Israel? And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are extinguished. Why did you not obey the Lord? Now, let's t- you don't mind, I have to turn over, but I have to turn over to the next page. Verse 22 says, Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to he is better than fat, fat of rams, because, see, he was going to say, oh, I, I got all these good animals so we can sacrifice to the Lord. You know, that sounds, that sounds spiritual, but disobedience never makes it. For rebellion is as a sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Then Saul said something very interesting. He said, I have sinned. Now before, he said over there in uh, verse 20, he said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord. Now he changed his tune. I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words. Why did you do that, Saul? Why? He says, because I, what, feared the people and listened to their voice. Ooh. Now, you know that's real. A lot of times we fear people, especially if you had to, d- to depend upon people. Right? Come on. It's real. What does God expect us to do? To depend upon him. If he tells us to do something, 
do it. What, 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 what about the people? You know, the people, they're not going to listen to me. You do what I tell you to do. Right? Didn't Jesus do that? Yeah. Fear sabotages our success because God wants to be our all in all. Everything we have need of, God wants to be that. And if he's not there, if he's not that for us, he's not going to put his hand on your success. Because success is not the world's success. The success is doing the will of the Lord. Because you're not going to stand before your boss, or anybody else on judgment day, you're going to stand before the Lord. He says, number two, that uh, fear will, will ruin your success if you believe that I'll lie to you. I'm not a man that I should lie. So we got to believe him. If he said it, it's true. I believe it. I don't care what the situation looks like. And number three, I said, God really wants us to have faith. Because if you don't have faith, you don't please him. And if you're not pleasing him, uh, that means you're doing something else. If you don't have faith in God, who do you have faith in? Or what do you have faith in? You see? And God says that, then I'm not going to cause you to be successful. So therefore, on that day, you won't hear, we are done, my good and faithful servant. Or he'll do like he did Israel. I'll cause a little something to happen because I'm going to just step back and let the enemy have his way with you. And then you'll cry out, help me, Lord. And then I'll, I'll come to your aid because my plans for you are good. But you still got to go in captivity because you didn't listen. Because you didn't want to please me, you want to please everybody else but me. Teenagers got to hear that. Young people got to hear that because we try to please people. Middle-aged people got to hear that. Old people got to hear that because we all try to please people sometimes. We gotta try to please our boss, try to please this person, try to please that person, try to do whatever we think we can do. God says, depend upon me. I am your source. Now, if we do that, then we're going to have success. I want you to practice that because fear is going to come. Believe me. Trust me. Fear is going to come. And I said, I said, trust me because I'm telling you what the Bible says. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rules. Do you know that they don't love you? And so, therefore, they're going to come at you. And if they come at you, they're going to come at me. They're coming at everybody because they're trying to get to God. That I, don't, I want to discredit God. I want to show him that I have control over these people, and you don't. And that's what he tried to, that's what he tried to do with, with um, Job, which we'll talk about another time. Let me touch him. Just let me touch him. He, he's going to curse you. He's always trying to do something to discredit God. We're not going to allow him to do that. Amen. We're going to make sure that we get rid of this fear. Now, next week, we're going to really talk about this thing, because next week, we're going to give you how do you overcome fear. How do you do it? Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. 
We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.